Hi, this is Jay Todd Anderson, and you are listening to an archival episode of Filmically Perfect. Well, that's not enough to scare you. The next 29 minutes just might. It's time for another episode of Filmically Perfect, and I'm your host, Nikki Dakota, joined in the studio by the one, the only, inimitable, and keeper of all fact film. He is the Nitrate Film Archivist for the Library of Congress, our man at the Library of Congress, George Williman. How to do that, neighbors. <laughs> also in the studio today, live and in person, storyboard artist to the Coen Brothers and many, many other films that we know and love. He's also our buddy, our pal, J. Todd Anderson. J. Todd. Always pleased to be here, Nikki. Secret Dakota Ring. We've come together for a connection that is French, a movie filmed in 1971. The French. <laughs> Take your connection. tongue out of my mouth. I'm kissing you goodbye. <laughs> Starring Gene Hackman and Roy Scheider, among others, and uh, a, a police drama, if you will, set with uh, an international uh, zest. Like in the late early seventies, it has a very sixties feel to it. Um, it's crime in New York City, and it's from the from William Friedkin, who sort dirty. of made a career out of these sort of tough, uh, no holds barred uh, cop uh, cop films. And often his his cop characters are often just on the edge. I mean, they are just one step away from being a bad guy themselves. And they often slip over. Um, I mean, another one is like... Uh, is, uh, and girls always Serpico. Love them. Did he do Serpico? <laughs> uh, Serpico, I don't Has remember, that same but, feeling. Um, to Live and Die in L.A., which which William Peterson's first movie, and he is this cop on the edge and actually does do some illegal things to try to solve the case. You know, and so actually it's, very, it's very similar. Uh, to Live and Die in L.A. Is, has a very similar feel. More of a cops all, feel. They always live in really bad, dank right. surroundings. And, and they always have women probably. that want them. And they're always in the background, just kind of hanging in doorways mm-hmm. and riding. And in this case, it's a girl on a bicycle. And they have to go get him. And there's always something done with handcuffs, almost always. Um, <laughs> huh. It is a, per- a perfect film as uh, deemed by our film guys. Yes, and also is Oscar time. And um, this thing, it won the best actor. Uh, Gene Hackman won the best actor. It got the best director, William Friedkin. Uh, best film editing by Gerald Greenberg. And best picture, uh, Philip DeAntoni. And well, it had the a- best writing screenplay based on material from another medium by Ernest Tidyman, who is also uh, an influence on another movie we did, Shaft. He was the creator of John Shaft. And as we mentioned in the Shaft program, Ernest Tidyman was a white guy from Cleveland <laughs> who created Shaft. <laughs> who knew? The so this Buckeye film also had a couple more nominations. It had uh, Roy Scheider. He was the best actor in a supporting role. Uh, best Cinematography by Owen Roisman. And Best Sound by Theodore Soderbergh and Christopher Newman. So although I so, didn't... Um, Get it looking looking at it, you know. Now I didn't think of it as particularly groundbreaking, but it must have been to have. Uh... Yeah, it was actually, I believe, the first R-rated film to get Best Picture. <gasps> now, before this, Midnight Cowboy, which is an R-rated picture now, got Best Picture. But it, at the time it got Best Picture, it was rated X, and then it got changed to an R after it won Best Picture. But this is the first 
actual R-rated film to get Best Picture. We should say that these films are deemed perfect not by some capricious, willy-nilly, fly-by-night process, but instead a very stringent set of rules, and those rules, gentlemen, are... Hey, you know what? The French connection creates the world it exists in. And it wholly maintains that world. And regardless of changes in society, the French connection retains its meaning and entertainment value. And the French connection will never be put in numerical lists. It always stands on its own two feet. A swell movie. And a perfect one as well. Well, uh, let's uh, take... Uh, actually, Jay Todd has the honors this time around. Give us a little plot overview, a little summary of the action in this well, tainted This, this is one of the, um, the first um, really uh, based-in-reality kind of drug movies about moving heroin into New York. And um, they're doing it from a foreign country, and they do it through an automobile. And they're making this deal, and it's what again? It's what's that movie? It's out now, George. It's very similar to this American Gangster. Yeah, it's about the purity of the drug and how they are able to get more sales because their drug is pure, more pure. And um, these guys are setting up this um, sale, and they're playing cat and mouse with the police. And um, and at some point, you're asking yourself. Um, at what time did they get made in this movie? You know, there's even one scene where Hackman says, I've been made. So the cops are on to him pretty quick, but they deem themselves much smarter than the cops. And um, there's one, they chase each other all over New York trying to figure out where this dope is. And um, Gene Hackman and Roy Scheider have, have convinced that their boss, that they're onto something really big. They're losers, of course. Even though it's just a hunch, they don't really have nothing. Yeah, they stumbled onto it in a bar. And I know that guy. And then they, on a hunch, they follow him and they get onto it and they wiretap him and they figure out that they're onto something. And they have to solve their boss on this because they both, want, Gene Hackman has a, you know, as George was saying, a bad record. Uh, he has done some bad things. And so they don't trust him as a good cop. But he's onto something really big. Probably the biggest movement of dope in New York City. This is based on a real uh, story. Real case, yes. Um, but they're onto this and they ardently pursue this this drug trafficking until they catch the guy and um, they find out that it's in the car and uh, which is a really cool thing about how they find it out. I, I was, I was, well, I, was I, I even think it's cooler is how they put that Lincoln continental back together again. So it's perfect. Ever. I didn't. Yeah. There aren't, there aren't very many, there aren't very many Ford dealerships <laughs> that got put a car back together that well, you know, so they take the, here, here's what they do. So they, they, they really, they feel like they've got something and it all hinges on. They, they managed to seize the car, but, um, they t literally take it apart piece mm -hmm. by piece by piece by piece. You watch them and they even take the and engine apart. And they rip apart. the carpet and, you know, you think, oh, they're destroying this car. And then they, they turn it back over to these people, one who's supposed to be this famous actor guy. Um, the French actor who's agreed and, to courier yeah. this. And they give it back, give him back the car, and the car is like perfect, you know. Which is uh, almost breaks rule one. But anyway, <laughs> so they're all sitting there, and they've got the thing <laughs> taken apart. <laughs> they're almost breaks rule they're one. <laughs> sitting there with the car in pieces, and it was uh, the Roy Scheider character who who notices that the weight is different, that there's a difference in yeah, weight. And it's so, like one of those Argan comedies. Wait a minute, guys. You know, he holds up the paper. <laughs> and this car's a little heavier than it was when it came in. They all look at each other and, and then they all cut to the uh, rocker panels. And right. that's where all the dope is. Guy says, know? I took this whole car apart except for the rocker panels. And they all look yeah, at they, each other like. Yeah, they all hmm. look at each other. <laughs> 
Well, let's arguing open that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, they, they find them and it has uh, anticlimactic ending. But this it doesn't matter because this thing won all those Oscars and right. Gene Hackman was set for life. He could push any director around right. forever. This, you know, this nobody's going to beat up on Gene. But he never really this had a big... This is the film that made Gene Hackman into Gene Hackman. Yeah. <laughs> You know, he got the big award, so now he suddenly went from little actor to big actor. And now he does Lowe's. Lowe's voiceovers. Yeah, Lowe's voiceovers. Oh, is that right? Yeah, you can bite your metal fencing and hammers and nails at Lowe's. How about that? Popeye Doyle. For Lowe's. Right, so the, yeah, right, Popeye Doyle is his name there. I think he's doing his high-pitched voice. Popeye Doyle for Lowe's here. (laughs) Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. (laughs) You know, the thing about Gene Hackman in this is I don't, um, I don't buy it. So rule well, one for me buy, is Nikki a little. Dakota? We're not it's, selling it. It's, it's, a, it's a little iffy. What the heck kind of merchandise do you think we're moving around here? I tell you, occasionally I, I reckon that I'm I'm just not getting something, and it just must be true here. I mean, he won the Oscar for Best Actor, whereas I felt like he didn't sell the part. I didn't buy him Psst, as a. I didn't feel, it's even a man's movie. he goes into the bar and I'm presuming this is like supposed to be a setup scene to show you what a hard nosed cop that he is and busts shoves all these guys around and gets all the dope from under the edge of the bar because he knows they're all just waiting there to horse trading it. And um, I don't know. I just I, I don't know. There's a lot of silence in this movie, which I think helps the Gene Hackman character. Yeah, a lot of silence <laughs> helping the Gene Hackman. Maybe that's what did it. Well, let me tell you something. As they Dude. say in wrestling, let me tell you something. This movie really needs to be watched from a cinematic point of view because it is very visual. There are some of the most wonderful chase scenes in this movie with the train and the car. He steals a guy's car and he tears it up at Pontiac. He just rips it to pieces and, right. and the, catches them on the train. The, the and, chase uh, was the chase was very groundbreaking because up until this point, Bullet kind of had set the standard yeah. for the car chase, you know, chasing up and down the, the hills in San Francisco. And so Friedkin, I think, wanted to consciously or unconsciously go one step beyond that. So he does this high-speed chase under the elevator. It's good. Road. It's very good. Mm-hmm. Very and, very and, white knuckle. And it's, well, it's, then he does it again. With, again, with To Live and Die in L.A., he tries to top this movie with that one. So so it's worth also um, uh, mentioning about the whole setup for that, that chasing because he's trying to catch the corner, the, uh, the, the guy who basically is the French connection mm-hmm. on the subway and he's trying to do it without being obvious and yet the guy's clearly onto him so they keep walking in and out. Well, that scene there, nobody really talks about that scene, but I've always thought that that was one of the nicest pieces of editing that I've ever seen and um, that was done by... Um, remember who the editor i think it was dd on that george i'm sorry i don't i don't recall well anyway that editing was really spectacular where they do that and remember they're cutting on film back then and um they're in and out of these subway cars it's just spectacular and the the way it's like ballet and it's it's not very long either and again like as i as i remember it, it always seems to be um um no the editing excuse me i i was wrong it's by is Gerald Greenberg, who I think was in the Academy Awards. In that. I think, he, yeah, I think you said he got the Academy Awards. And it's very easy to see how this man won this award because the movie is cut so spectacularly. It's very um, kinetic. I mean, he cuts with, you know, the, the action just keeps building. And part of it is because of the way the, the film is cut. The scenes are cut into each other. 
We're talking about The French Connection, the 1971 film, perfect by our film guys Reckoning, uh, with Gene Hackman and Roy Scheider playing the, uh, I don't well, know, it's, tarnished it's, cop. It's very, well, you know, Scheider is like his support pole, uh, and then Hackman's all over the place in this picture, and he's he's the rogue cop. And I think... Good cop, bad cop. Yeah, and only he's both of them. <laughs> <Nah>. <laughs> no, Shiner plays the good cop. You can see them doing this good cop, bad cop routine in this movie. Um, but you see in the beginning, and they're they're dealing with this sort of riffraff they deal with on a daily basis, which is real low scale, uh, low rent. And then they start dealing with these big dealers who are a little bit smarter than they are. And they've always got it ahead of them all the way through this movie. They're, they, he gets cocky and they get away. He gets cocky and they get away. Uh, like uh, there's a payback at the end of the movie when they got them trapped and Gene Hackman waves. Well, you know, he lets them get away. Uh, and that's this whole character's life in this movie is he's almost got them. And then he kind of wallows in his success and they get away. Right. Well, you kind of get the idea that they're kind of lower echelon detectives anyways, because this, this big stakeout that they're doing at the beginning, you know, Gene Hackman, Popeye is, is dressed as a sidewalk Santa <laughs> and, and Roy Scheider's a, a hot dog vendor. You know, yeah. so you know they're not being given the most the most tasty uh, cases in the book. Oh, I like so this, the visuals, this, the images out of that. Right, the so Santa that, Claus, the, uh, the French Connection thing comes along, and I think they see that this is a chance to really make their mark, and that's why they want to be in on it. But uh, you know, their boss does not want them involved in this, and I think we have this sound clip. Yeah, from because the movie. they've screwed up to the point where. Um, they've kind of worn out their welcome again. And right. so they chase their boss to an accident, which is Horrible really accident. A, a, a really beautiful scene for me. <laughs> I think it's cool because of the juxtaposition of images when he's trying to talk his way back into his case, you see these, these horrible bodies that have been maimed and they're bloody in this accident, these kids, but they're paying no attention no, because they have, they're talking, they they're arguing about this case. It, it, it's, it's, it's like some war movie, like a documentary or something where he's yakking. And uh, we got a little clip on that there. Well, I say we keep sitting on Boca. Jimmy, give it up. Give it up. It's all over with. If there was a deal, it's gone down by now. We blew it. We blew our warrants and we blew our cover. I know the deal hasn't gone down. I, I, I know it has. I can, I can feel it. I'm dead certain. Last time you're dead certain, we have the dead cop. Hey, hold, hold on. Hold on. Johnny, break it up. Hold it Free you two, break it up. Stop it now. Hold on to yourself. What's the matter with you? Jimmy, you wasted two months on this. No collars are coming in while you two guys are running around town jerking. Now go back to work. You're off special assignment. I don't know what they're jerking, but it's about to get them off the case. We have a, a special thank you to the South Charleston Hat Club for that, uh, that little editing there uh, to keep us from, from going blue. <laughs> running, running foul. Yeah, so. <laughs> well, that, that's, uh, they, for some reason, they're thrown off the case. <laughs> Can and you then imagine? they're back on, you yeah, know? Uh, yeah. Right? Yeah. I, I, they're back on. And. <laughs> And they pursue these guys, and they they eventually rebuild that Lincoln Continental, and they they're back in the game. And then I feel a, a spoiler alert coming here. I I feel it. <laughs> they finally use that car to chase this man to an abandoned warehouse, and there. Oh, thank you, Budinsky. Thank you, Budinsky. 
So he's finally cornered the guy he couldn't corner on the train. <laughs> yeah, and he's standing. It got him dead to rights. But he's got a showboat, you know, partly because it's movies and show business, and that's what they do. <laughs> you know, people might say, Anderson, you're just showing off. That's what they pay me to do. <laughs> <laughs> but, and then they run back to their fortress of solitude where they dismantled the car and got their drugs out of it. And um, they go into this warehouse and they hunt for them. And and he shoots this cop that's been giving him nothing but a hard time. Because they're both wandering around and everyone's looking for the guy. And he sees the cop and he thinks it's it's the French guy. And you end up, you see... You see, I don't know, it's the cop that was so hard on him. And and sometimes they're getting along in the movie, and you're kind of pulling for that, of course. See, they're getting along, they're getting along. And then Hackman, in his rage, goes after our villains and disappears into the darkness and you hear gunshots. And that's the, the movie ends, and they give you the, the credits. And they well, say and a little synopses yeah, of what, what happened. That characters. little printed thing after, which I always love in movies, like, like and after this, so-and-so went on to blah, blah, blah. <laughs> yeah. And we find out. It's like, I, I actually was puzzled, although you helped straighten me the out. The drug dealer on- got away, um, and Gene Hackman, um, the Gene Hackman character, Popeye, um, just anticlimactic. He just becomes a cop, I guess. A regular you know? cop after this major bust. Yeah, it's v- even in 1971, I can I can hear people kind of grumbling going out of the audience. But it's based on a true story. So, um, And did he ever, I wonder if he ever got any comeuppance for shooting the fellow cop. I don't know, there, I there, never... is, there is a French connection, too. Oh. Yes, there is. And I have not seen it, so I can't comment on it. But, but... Uh, we may check that one out and get back to you on that. Well, it certainly is a visually beautiful movie. There's no question about that. It's The French Connection from 1971, Gene Hackman, Roy Scheider, and a cast of characters in in a movie that is a lot about the visual. It's um, There is not a lot of dialogue. Yeah, and the train wreck in this movie is implied. It doesn't. You don't see a whole lot of it. I mean, the train comes to a violent stop, and that's where he pursues that man on the train. Some of the things you want to look at in this movie when you watch it, if you've seen it, you know, you've, you can... You know what it is, but when you watch it, kind of watch the chase scenes by foot and how they're tracking. Um, you might want to watch, you know, how this car makes its its appearance everywhere. It becomes this character, this big car. Just kind of, they take their good old time. In the in the movie business, when you're shooting stuff, cars are hard because it's hard to keep them going fast and looking fast because. Almost all the time you'll see cars sped up to make them look fast because it's so difficult to get a big car to look like it's going fast. And believe it or not, I mean, you watch race cars on the racetrack, those NASCAR stalkers don't look like they're going fast from a distance. And uh, Indy Right, cars. they don't, yeah. But in the movie business, that's been a problem ever since the beginning of movies is getting those cars to go fast. The hand crank cameraman used to, used to help cars out a lot. They under crank a little bit to get them to move fast. Get them around a turn with a little bit more drama. Now, in the French Connection, like uh, Bullet, they didn't do that. They went as fast and hard as they could in this picture. It's notable that a lot of this centers around cars because not only is a car almost kind of a silent character in this movie, but it, it was so cool for me to look back at just every street scene and see all these huge cars back when Americans had these huge, Huge, really heavy metal cars. Like now everything's plastic. Your bumper is gone after a 10-mile-an-hour crash. Not then. You could drive away from a 40-mile-an-hour crash. be just fine driving. For example, the chasing that we talked about earlier when he's under the big L train and he stops that guy and he grabs his Pontiac. Police business, I'm going to take your car. From then on, 
if Freakin has set a tone with this little chasing, you're kind of worried about this guy's car. Yeah. And he just keeps bending it into tinfoil. You know, it, you just, when you think it's wrecked to the point where they can almost fix it, he wrecks it again. He wrecks it again. He keeps driving and it's on. it's just a motive to get him to capture this guy who can't get away. And then he shoots him dead. He, nobody there to talk or anything. He shoots him dead. Another, you know, character of, flaw in this guy yeah yeah it's worth noting about that chasing i don't think we specifically said that he's driving on the street underneath the train that's traveling above and he just knows that if he does not catch this guy he's following at that this train time with his eyes looking out of the window which is really neat it cinema. is it's well done and and man is freaking hard on women with baby carriages in this movie <laughs> he darn near runs over one and then Gene Hackman, you know, after he's been, you know, told to go home, he's walking down the street and everything looks nice. And the little girl on a tricycle rides by and, oh, yeah, yeah, this, this is OK. We can relax. And just out of nowhere, this woman in a baby carriage pulls up her and she gets plugged. The bullet intended for him. Yeah. Shoots her down. And here again, freaking sets it up. You know, you're kind of worried about. Well, is she dead? And then all this is going on. He says, don't mess with her. She's dead or something. And yeah. he moves on. Here he is. He's forcing you to move yourself with his story, whether you like it or not. Um, no matter what your feelings are in this movie, he's saying, no, no, don't. never mind them. Come over here. Never mind that guy's car. Come over here. And that's I've seen that in, in several of his films. We were talking earlier when I mentioned uh, To Live and Die in L.A. There's a huge chase scene in there that ends with this disastrous uh, scene under a railroad bridge where the two cops have who they think is a drug dealer or a counterfeiter and they break open his his metal case and it's full of old telephone books and they end up the guy ends up getting gunned down by another federal agent and turns out the guy was a federal agent and so they totally screw up but they move right along. Yeah. Oops. You know, and it, it it's a yeah it's, again and like I said it's a freaking thing. He it really he really <laughs> sort of has made this his mark of these these tough tough uh, cop films about cops who are all too human and you watch these guys they're on the streets and it's new york in 1971 which i think is kind of neat um and and he's casing these guys and uh it's all visual there's no no dialogue through this whole sequence of events uh he follows him and they go of course they end up at the subway sequence and there's so much in this movie that just becomes cross-cutting action and a lot of fancy fancy editing uh remember again this is done on film they used good old-fashioned film and they cut it very um, manual tactile job of putting it together right there there might have been some video assist on it to watch what was going on but they i doubt there was any kind of taping or anything like that so it was all done manually old flatbeds or well, I have to say, um, The French Connection, 1971, was, I mean, I, I understand why the film guys like it, but I have to say that I felt like Gene Hackman <laughs> did not deliver, and uh, it was laborious. It's the kind of movie that I feel like you need to watch a few times to get to be able to pick up all the little details, little threads that lead you to the conclusions of who's doing what and, and how it's all going to go down. And to be quite honest, I just uh, cannot even, see even watching music, it enough times. The music is, is used with a lot of sparseness. You know, anytime they're going to, they're on to another idea in this movie and where the drugs are going. I, uh, I noticed that they spike it up a little bit of music. Um, but I think Hackman kind of sets the tone for the actor he's going to be for the next, you know, 20 years. He has this 
this intense kind of ability, although you don't see it. Well, no wonder he didn't go on to do much. (laughs) (gasps) You obviously haven't seen the conversation. No, I haven't. I haven't seen it. Same time and period. I think it's a couple years later. All right, so rule number one creates the world, uh, gentlemen. Oh, yeah. That New York, the New York. uh, It's very New York, the cops and everything. It doesn't look very cliched to me. It looks looks like that period uh yeah and it, it sustains that world uh, except for the car cutting up and also the fact that gene heckman's a bit weak but um <laughs> yeah well i think it's very much like we were talking uh, a week or so ago about uh, about the hustler and about the new york and the hustler yeah this is the same likewise i mean ten, some 10 years on and now we have it in color and we have this is uh, some freaking, nice, freaking nice photography by Roisman, who was a pretty pretty big cinematographer. You know, if it was in black and white, I like it better. Well, just turn the color down on your TV. Nikki's going to go back and watch this movie, The French Connection, with the color turned down. Actually, right? I don't and think so. And we're going to like put a little marker on the disc, and it'll say the Spanish Connection. Yeah. And we'll see if she likes it. Yeah, a lot of subtitles. We didn't even mention that. That not only is there not much dialogue, but a good bit of it is and in, in French. French. Yes, well, it has a little bit of um, James Bond kind of feel in the beginning, yeah, you know, with that foreign element. And of course, they're staking them out now in the in the foreign country and. Uh, he gets plugged, you know. Yeah. Again, this big behemoth car is driving mm. around like a ghost. Big Lincoln, Lincoln Continental. Which they brought over on a boat. So not only is it in boat. France, but it's in there. Did we ever find out why that first guy who bought the bread was plugged by the bad hitman early on? I never I understood that, that. I think that he was uh, on to them. Yeah. He, was, he was an agent. Yeah. Oh, he was a local uh, law he's enforcement a, guy. Yeah. All right, well. All right, gentlemen, uh, rules one, two, and three, I, I, I should have maybe brought up for early on. I can see why you like it, but it's a movie that requires a high level of concentration and, and attention. Oh, well, there we go right there. <laughs> okay, now, we, now we've, we've discovered the issue here. We're going to have to go lowball from now on. That's all. Right. So. The lowest common denominator. Well, but I once say that despite the fact that Gene Hackman won the best actor, I mean, really, he didn't go on to greater uh, uh, stratospheric stardom. Yes, he did. He did not. Hoosiers? Oh. Come on. Although I was in that movie Hoosiers is a- with him. I was in that movie with Gene Hackman. You're talking about a state that had no oh, tourism <laughs> until that movie came out with Gene Hackman. And now all of a sudden people are coming to the state of Indiana to see the basketball. Yeah, nobody on. knew Indiana had basketball Because of Gene Hackman. That. Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, Hackman, so- he had that. He had, like I said, the conversation. He's great in the conversation. Okay, what else? The tortured okay, soul. Okay, Hoosier conversation. Superman. Yes, wow. he was great. He was Lex a bit Lex player, Luthor. but he wasn't even Lex, a star. Mr. Lex Luthor. <laughs> Mr. Luthor. All right. Well, uh, a perfect movie by the film guys reckoning. I'm still unconvinced. I'd like to give it maybe another uh, viewing or two if I can. Mm-hmm. If I, you know, need to avoid a root canal, I might be able to wait work a that minute back in. So uh, she's a tough sell. Sometimes. I am a tough sell. You know what? Well, you know, in in these cases, I mean. A good, honest disagreement is fine. Sure. I mean, that's because part of it. That's part of it. But all I can say is, you're wrong. You're just wrong. And plus, we 
have the list. <laughs> I know, <laughs> which I still haven't seen. I only get these as we we're, all do, one well, at a time. That's right. We only give them to you as we go. <laughs> right. and we're going to, you're going to have to take a meeting with Budinsky. Now. Yeah, that's right. Oh, no. If you start stiff-arming us again, then Budinsky's <laughs> going to be our agent, and he'll have to deal with you. And he, do, he don't bathe regular. Are that's we right. going to uh, tip our hand for uh, next week's movie, or is that uh, going to... Uh, next week's movie is not going to be chairman of the board with Carrot Top. <laughs> Stay tuned. So don't worry. You're out. safe. On the we next are not installment. doing Down with Love. We are not We're doing still that not doing film. Down with Love. Put the pressure on us. Make fun of our film. Go ahead. What do you want? We're not doing Down with Love. You have been listening to Filmically Perfect. I'm Nikki Dakota, your host, and it's been a pleasure to be joined by the film guys. And we love to hear from you. Write to the film guys. Film guys at perfectmovie.net. Or you can just stop by and see any of the archive shows. iTunes, NPR.org. Gentlemen, thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to an archival episode of Filmically Perfect. Please keep an ear out for new episodes of Filmically Perfect, coming very soon to iTunes and hosted on our website, www.perfectmovie.net. See you, please.